I had to shake him on my last case, big O don't play. What is up, Yins guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Musky Hunks Podcast. So I am one of your, what do we have here tonight, four hosts this evening, Ryan Reed. We actually have on the phone tonight, we have Mr. Tom Venata. Yellow. Yellow. Back to the yellows. Yep. Hello. Drinking some Milwaukee's Beast Light. Ooh. Oh, classy. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Classy. classy tonight. Oh, God. We also have on the phone tonight, Mr. Owen Seaman and Big O's Bucktails. Good evening, gentlemen. Looking forward to this one again. I say that a lot, but I'm looking forward to this one. This is like the fun that we get during the week, I feel like, because yeah. we're, I know I'm like, I've been so busy at work. Oh, man, this summer has just been just so crazy. Every summer I tell myself, you're going to take more time, you're going to fish, and it's it's just been crazy. So yes, these podcasts and being able to talk to people and just shoot the shit for a little bit and get my mind off of everything at work it's you know i i really do i look forward to these i i i started with the uh the yins guys because i haven't done that yet i don't know if you guys noticed that or not oh i did i was saving it for a big energy night and i feel like tonight (laughs) we're we're down two of our normal hunks we needed a little pick me up for tonight but we have what i would consider a stellar guest so i'm really Mm -hmm. looking forward to that super pumped but before that, Tom, who do we have as a, an honorary hunk this evening? Yeah, so we're continuing on with the little honorary hunk theme. We have a guest host tonight, uh, Nate Budicheski. Did I say that right, Nate? Yeah. I got it Long right. Long time wow. listener, first time caller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, craziest last name. He's a local guy. We've been having too much Midwest on here. We needed a little more Yinzer representation again. So we picked the most Yinzer guy, the most Pittsburgh guy we know, I think. Hey, that's uh, why I'm drinking this uh, light domestic lager. Oh, yeah, oh there it is. A little Iron City light. light. Iron City Light. Iron, Iron City Light. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, Nate's Pittsburgh local teacher. Uh, he's won all kind of badass teacher awards. He's loved by the kids, loved by the hunks. Loved by loved, all. Loved by all, pretty much. So, <laughs> say hi, well, Nate. I love you guys, too. Hi. <laughs> hi, Nate. Well, Nate, bud, it is good to have you on tonight. Absolutely. And, uh, and you're going to be joining us because we have a very, very special guest uh tonight special special guest coming to us again from the midwest we seem to be on a on a midwest roll lately and and i think we we're really starting to learn a little bit about the guys out there but this is a big big youtuber and uh one of the i would say one of the top you know one of the leading musky youtube channels in the game and that is angling anarchy and his uh the the founder you know youtuber is brian scaife and uh so brian thank you so much for joining us here tonight man we're really looking forward to to just kind of chopping it up with you here and learning a little bit i know you got a big musky trip that you're about to leave for um later on tonight tomorrow morning so maybe we'll talk a little bit about that but Mm -hmm. uh welcome well thanks fellas i'm looking forward to this i love doing podcasts because i love just talking about musky fishing and filming and whatever else we can come across. So I am very much looking forward to this, despite the fact that I'm leaving for Canada 
in less than eight hours from now. So you wouldn't sleep anyway. That's too. Exciting. Yeah, I know. That's the, no. you don't sleep when, on the <laughs> night before your fishing trip. So you know, maybe we'll, this will wear you out a little bit, and then you can hit the road. <laughs> oh, we're gonna wear them out with questions. I got. I have a lot of notes tonight. So for so for our listeners that haven't checked you out, I mean, obviously YouTube is a big a big game these days. You know, it's it's a, a it's a big platform these days, and you've been doing it for several years. So you're, you're on the, you know, you were on the earlier end of the getting into this, the musky musky videos. And, you know, I think you've, you've done a really good job. Of, I mean, well, before I get into it, like, how did you get started? I mean, let's t- tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from and how you even got started uh, fishing in general. Sure. Yep. So I'll, I'll try to start as far back as I can, but not take too much time. I grew up in Southern Wisconsin and I, from the earliest time I can remember five, six years old, I, I loved to fish. When we would go on family vacations, we'd drive past the lake and I would, I, what's in there, you know? Um, so just all my life fishing with grandpas on the Madison Channel Lakes for panfish, and then graduating up to largemouth bass with a, a high school buddy, and then finally getting to go to Canada um, and actually that was in the early nineties was the first time I got to go to Canada. And that was on the Indian Lake chain, which is, you guys had Glenn McDonald on just recently. And, and I've, I've actually fished the Indian Lake chain with, with Glenn and that's just North of Eagle Lake. So okay. started fishing for pike. Oh, so that's North of Eagle Lake. Yep. Yep. It's just North. I mean, it's like a stone's throw from Eagle Lake, right? Right by okay. Vermilion Bay, just North of Vermilion Bay. And, uh, so <laughs> excuse me. Yeah. I, I just, the, the bigger the fish got, the more interested I got in these things, you know, pike were just, that was awesome. The first time I got to fish for pike. And I remember catching my first muskie on that trip in 1993, we were on Indian Lake. We, we were fishing for walleyes and I, I had a, a, it was a fire tiger, Bill Lewis rattle trap on a six foot six quantum snapshot rod and a 200 Shimano AX reel with 12 pound test line. And That's I'm awesome. just, I don't you know what I'm doing. That. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just casting toward the rocks and I'm reeling it in. And all of a sudden there's a fish here. Okay. That's weird. I, no figure eight, no nothing. Just keep casting. All of a sudden it comes in again. And I just started jigging it right on its nose. All hell breaks loose. My dad and grandpa were less than thrilled because they were, they wanted to catch walleyes and they didn't want to monkey around with this <laughs> muskie. So I, I never got a picture with my first muskie. They just kind of unceremoniously flipped it off at the at the boat side and just he didn't shoot let it? it go <laughs> well, that, that's, a good, the gun. that's a good question because <laughs> if, if you grow up in wisconsin uh you know there are the legend has it that you know the guys would always mm-hmm. you know have a gun in the boat but okay so you didn't get your first muskie until you went to canada yep you, yep so it was 1993 starting to fish in wisconsin you never ran into a muskie fishing with grandpa or anything like that nope Nope, never did. Cause it was, it, and that was all just, you know, bobber and ice fishing jigs and stuff like that, which you, you can, you can bump into them here and there, but just never, never did. So, you know, that trip really got me going. Um, and it probably wasn't until, you know, fast forward to the early two thousands, I went on a trip to Eagle Lake with some, some friends of mine in town here. And I remember I caught a, a 44 incher on a field mouse colored top raider and it was one of those ones where the fish just comes out of nowhere and it looks like somebody drops a 16 pound bowling ball in the water and just the water explodes. 
And I think Tom just from went that from point six on, to midnight no, talking just, about Tom Raider. I can see, I can see it. <laughs> His face is like the Cheshire cat. Oh God, that was burnt. And that, that was... color too. Oh, I don't mean to interrupt you, but if you still had that, that's a limited edition one right there. That's a vintage, the field mouse color. I've still got one in the original package. Oh, because oh. I, I, well, I, I worked at Gander Mountain from 2000 to 2011 in the fishing department and I bought it for $2.97 because they went on clearance. Ooh, oh, that's wow. awesome. I bought like four of them. Wow. <laughs> Somebody get Tom a towel. Yeah, I'll be back. I'll be right back. You guys keep going. <laughs> so that's but, uh, so that's interesting. So you never got into, like, there wasn't much in musky fishing. Uh, it, like, as you as a kid, you had to actually go to Canada to, you know, in Wisconsin, you had to go to Canada to, to get one. Um, yeah. Because yeah, I remember for- growing up here, like, the – muskies were kind of lore you know they were kind of you know they're this mythical beast and i kind of thought that they were seen very similarly in wisconsin sure you know as you know because they're you know fairly common in wisconsin i would say as opposed to other states oh for sure yep yep but uh yeah that i'm just trying to think of where after that we went so probably the first real musky trip that I, you know, specifically went up there for muskies. I went up with my father-in-law and this was probably about 2010, uh, Rick Albers. And we went up there. It was a July trip, middle of July. You'd think it'd be nice and warm. I was stupid and didn't look at the, at the weather forecast. So I'm up there in shorts and t-shirts and it was 50 and raining all week. I was miserable the entire time. I didn't know any spots on the lake. We were, I mean, we were flailing that entire week. And towards the end of the trip, we started figuring some things out. We actually, instead of leaving Saturday morning, we fished for a couple hours because we're just like, we, we've got to get something out of this trip. And that morning I got a 42 and a half and Rick got a 48. And I think that's where he got the bug because he was a bass fisherman before that. Yeah. And, and for, for listeners that don't know, Rick Albers is, or was up until recently chaos tackle. So I was, I was thinking like, why did that name sound, sound mm-hmm. so familiar? Okay. Yep. Yep. So we, we go on that trip on the way home. He's just, he's calling his friends talking about this muskie. We, he caught this 48 incher. And ever since then, you know, we, we would do Canada trips. He, we, he and I would go up there and it was in about 2011, I think that we were driving around and he said, do you want to make bucktails? I said, sure. He said, all right, I'll buy the stuff you put in the work and we'll go to shows. So we started Esox Assault Tackle, and it was just bucktails. I think our first show was the Chicago Muskie Show in, in either 2011 or 2012. And we're just standing there looking around like, what are, what are we doing here? You know, it's right. a, a little overwhelming, but things went fairly well. And just over the years, you know, he talked to Jason Summers, who is the originator of, of Chaos Tackle and the Medusa, uh, a gentleman out of Minnesota. So he bought Chaos Tackle from Jason Summers. And then a couple of years later, he bought custom X lures, the, uh, you know, the minnow lures, he bought big mama lures a couple of years after that, and just slowly started accumulating these smaller, smaller, but kind of high-end wood bait companies to sort of start filling in these little niches. So, you know, now we've got bucktails and rubber, and, and then we've got top waters, and now we've got minnow baits and shum shum and Kodiak and just slowly started really building it. And, you know, I, it was cool because I, I was in on the ground floor making the bucktails and 
just kind of got to ride the coattails and go to all the shows and, and, you know, go to the PA show. That's one of my favorite shows, by the way. I love that PA show. Uh, uh, Sean does an awesome job. Uh, Sean Lee Party does an awesome job of putting that together. And, uh, you know, just really got into the sort of, I guess, the culture. It's musky fishing, such a small niche uh, of the entire fishing pie. And you really get to see that once you have done this for a couple of years, because you know everybody. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows everybody. And sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad Mm -hmm. thing. But for the most part, it's positive. And just through doing that, and I always had this little bit of an interest in filming. And, you know, I I bought my first GoPro. I think it was 2013. Strapped it on my head. I'm up on Eagle Lake. Rick and I are fishing. And I'm thinking, man, this is going to be awesome. You know, when you first buy that GoPro, and I know a lot of people have this feeling, you think you're going to put it on, bring it back, pop the, the SD card in the, in the computer, and it's going to look like a in fisherman television show, right? You know, right. And then you're like very disappointed. Yeah. Super disappointed. <laughs> so disappointed. So, and I don't know, I can't really tell you what got me from that point to um, sort of the start of filming, but I, I can tell you that, that watching uh, Keys Outdoors, was very instrumental in helping me figure out how to get my boat set up for filming. You know, Mike always had that tower with a couple cameras showing the the bow and the stern. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, I just started accumulating cameras and, you know, put the bow and the stern camera up on the pole and, and started putting a couple on the gunnels and started figuring out that if you want to show slow motion, you've got to film at a higher frame rate and just started accumulating all these things. And I went from, these crummy little videos and uh, you know i don't know how how good they are or how good they aren't but they're halfway decent i guess uh now they're legendary <laughs> i was gonna say if anybody listening tonight anything we're gonna ask you there's probably an angle anarchy video for already right so. right I, yeah, like and, and i'm gonna i'll refer to a couple of the videos a little bit later because i wanted to talk to you about a couple specific ones you know especially the i think it was the, the northern wisconsin opener this year the where you got oh. You got the a big one, and I just thought yeah. that video itself, like the, the the way it was put together, you know, okay, musky videos have become a dime a you know a dime a dozen. You oh, know, yeah. they're, they're they're everywhere now. Everyone can put a GoPro on their head. Everyone can can put a GoPro on their boat. But that particular video, like I had chills, you know, when oh, whenever awesome. you caught that fish, and it was like, okay, you don't get that, what you know, just in every other video. So, you know, that, that's I don't know. It was awesome. That was just an awesome video. Awesome. I'm glad to hear you liked it. My girlfriend actually like she's okay if like I put on an angling anarchy video while we're watching TV because it's like entertaining enough. She's like sure. not a hardcore fish. While we woman, are, but. Beep. right on no, no 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 but like if we're just chill, if we're hanging out and we're like looking for something to watch she doesn't mind if i put wow. that on versus other youtubers who i won't name she, they get on her nerves a little bit she's a big fan of brian awesome he appeals to the masses i would say awesome and that's you know that's kind of what i was shooting for really is you know i do have i do have instructional videos but for the most part when i'm out fishing i i had i've heard so many people say man, it'd be cool if there was just a fishing show. It was just like, it was like me fishing with my buddies. Right. That's, that's what I was shooting not, for. You not know? someone constantly trying to teach me how to do something and why, why, you know, why you need to do it the right, you know, this way. I agree 100%. Like you come at it, but from a much more 
everyday type of guy, every man type of perspective, which fits in well with this podcast because that's kind of where we that's where we all come from we're the we're not telling anyone how to do anything we're you know we're we're, we're trying to learn to be yep. fair brian's just a little bit higher echelon than we are <laughs> a little bit. Just, just a little. i'm just, just saying just a touch <laughs> but you know that <coughs> excuse me i uh so yeah i was i was going for more of the the entertainment aspect of it while still being you know, uh, having a, a little couple few nuggets here and there that people could learn from, you know, because there's, there's, there's guys out there that do a way better job of that. Glenn McDonald is one of them. He does awesome instructional videos. Doug right. Wegner is very good at that. You've got Robbie and Lee uh, from today's angler. They do a really good job. So, you know, with, within this very small niche of musky fishing, I was trying to find that niche within a niche of, of, you know, just being slightly different entertaining. And I wanted to keep it fun for myself. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm just doing this for fun. I, I work a 40 hour a week job. I've got a wife, I've got a kid, you know, so I, I try to go on trips, film as much as I can. And I try to put out a video. I've, I've put out a video every Saturday at eight 30 for three years. Like literally today is the three year anniversary wow. of, of putting out, put out videos consistently. Uh, one video every week for three years for three years now that amazes me with a that's amazing job. Me because we've just yeah. been trying to do uh podcasts you know i still have shit from and... last year ahead <laughs> yeah literally Dude, that I, have is, video. I didn't realize i didn't realize like it was that consistent that type of consistency that's crazy and that's that's the biggest thing so when i first started the channel I didn't have any, you know, I, I was like, if five people or 5,000 people watch, I don't care. I just, I enjoy doing it. I was enjoying learning how to edit things. You know, I was watching, I was watching YouTube videos while everybody else was watching musky fishing YouTube videos. I was watching YouTube videos about how to make YouTube videos and about how to grow a channel and, you know, get those subscribers and get some views just so I could make something out of it. And the, the number one thing they say is consistency. You know, if, if you want to, if you want to build an audience, you know, they want to know when they can expect a video. So I picked Saturday morning because, I mean, I grew up when it was, you know, I'd wake up Saturday morning and it wasn't cartoons. It was ESPN outdoors. It was Linder's, you know, it was in Fisherman back then. It wasn't even Linder's Angling Edge. So that Saturday morning, you know, seven, eight, nine o'clock for me. So that, that's kind of why I picked the time to drop the videos then. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that that's awesome. That's <laughs> That's the I always best. remember watching Larry Dahlberg's Hunt for Big Fish on Saturday Absolutely. morning. Absolutely. Yep. Well, backing up a little bit, you mentioned PA Muskie Max and Rick Albers. And I, I said before, I talked to you, Brian, before at one of the yeah. Muskie Max shows. And I didn't, you, I never knew that, that you were related to Rick Albers. And after we had talked, I, I was thinking, I'm like, man, either one of two things happened. Either they met and then started the company, which is like kind of what you're, you're saying actually happened. Yep. Or I'm like, he walked into like the world's best scenario. He went to a bar, <laughs> met this girl who's the daughter of Rick Albers, found out like that this girl's dad owns KO. I'm like, I got to find out. So yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad we cleared that up. <laughs> That's like Glenn McDonald too. Glenn, Glenn, Glenn is in a similar situation. Uh -huh. he, you know, his wife owns like a tackle shop. Owns a tackle shop. Yeah. And his, I think his, yeah. his father-in-law is a big, big musky guy. Yeah. Yeah. Kate. It's funny. Kayla runs uh, Bobby's in Vermilion Bay, which I, I mean, I've been going to Bobby's since the early nineties, you know, I mean, that tackle shop's been there forever. Now, so. what, what made you start going that far North as opposed to going just to Lake of the woods or something like that? 
did you have some connection up there? Well, so the, the, the original reason we went to the Indian Lake chain uh, by Vermilion Bay there is my grandfather used to go up to a lake called Blue Lake, which is actually sort of the headwater for Corner Lake, which flows into Indian, which flows into the rest of the chain. <clears throat> so we started going up there just because that's where him and his buddies always went. And uh, yeah, it, you know, Blue Lake is, it's just walleyes and, and lake trout and smallmouth. And, and there's, there's muskies and pike in there, but it's gin clear. It's, it's a little bit tough to, to catch anything other than the, the lakers and the smallmouth. The walleyes are pretty, pretty decent there too. But uh, <clears throat> so yeah, that, that's kind of what got me started going to that area. I absolutely love that area. And I don't think you could ever pull me away from it because I've, I've had people ask me, well, why don't you go, why don't you try Lake of the Woods? Why don't you try something else? Eagle Lake is 68,000 acres. I'm probably touching like a 10th of that. Right. And I still, every year I, I try to, every trip I go up there, my goal is to get at least two new waypoints, try to find two new, even if it's like kind of a spot on a spot type of scenario, there's just so much stuff up there. It's, with the mid lake reefs and the points and we're constantly finding weed beds that we didn't know about. Um, so it, it's, yes, it's going to the same place, which is sort of, it's nice and comforting because I know the people that we stay at Cold Grove's Eagle Lake Lodge, Scott and Marie are fantastic. We're, we're friends with them more than anything. And just to go to this familiar spot, but then to look out at the lake and go, there's all sorts of stuff that I haven't, I haven't even touched out there. So that's kind of what has me constantly going back to Eagle Lake. I go there twice a year. I go there for the opener and then usually a late August trip. Nice. How long of a drive is it for you? I believe it's about 640 miles. So it, if you're really cooking, you can do it in maybe 10 and a half hours, but with a couple stops, it's, it's more like 11 and a half, 12 hour drive. All right. That's about, that's pretty similar to what it takes us to get up to Lake Nipissing where, where, where I, I go. Okay. So that's about the same type of a haul yeah it's not terrible and it, it does feel weird because we go through minnesota and we drive right past leech lake and we drive right past uh lake vermilion so we're, we're driving past some legendary musky lakes but uh i don't know there's just there's something about going to canada crossing the border which was a problem uh until previous and until recently but uh yeah there's just there's just something about that area you know they call it sunset country northwest ontario it's it's awesome up there our, our, our one hunk here, Tom, we can't seem to get him out of Westmoreland County here in Pennsylvania. <laughs> uh, we tried to get him, tried to get him up there. And I, I keep explaining, he's like, you can, I'm catch trying. Muskies right, you can catch muskies right around the corner. I don't know why everyone wants to go to Canada. Canada. No, I've come, I've come a long yeah. way from that. Listen, he's, he's fishing big water now. He's, he's going up <laughs> north up on Lake 79. Arthur. Mm-hmm. So we yeah, got him up there, baby. Brian, uh, you're so, saying you're saying we when you're talking Canada. I'm assuming you mean Nate. Your yeah, well, so or... my my I've got two. That gets confusing too because I've got two okay. friends named Nate. Oh, okay. Um, one's one's kind of a slight skinnier dude with a with a beard that sort of looks similar to me, I guess. He lives up in Green Bay, and then my other buddy Nate, kind of the bigger dude that is has been in a lot of videos. Mm-hmm. He's actually driving to Canada right now. Him and his buddy Matt are, are taking his boat, and they're going to beat us up there by a couple few hours. Um, so yeah, that, that's, who's going up there. My, my friends that I originally went to Eagle Lake with the Joneses, uh, Jamie, and then his, his mom and dad, Bonnie and Tom are, are already up there. They went up Wednesday and then I'm actually, uh, heading up with my friend, Jim, who is actually my, one of my high school buddies, dad, 
who started going on, on the, the spring trips where we would just go walleye fishing. And his story is kind of funny. He's, he's 77 years old and he just, he's out there all the time casting, you know, he has a little bit of a problems with the figure eight sometimes if the waves are bad with balance and everything, but he just, he absolutely loves it. And just watching his excitement is, is awesome. And uh, every, every time we drive up, he, he tells me the story. He actually, he worked at Parker Penn here in town with my grandfather. So they were, they were friends and they had all, they had this group of guys that all, they all had places up in Northern Wisconsin and they would constantly be asking him, Hey, come up musky fishing. And he was, he was a walleye and, and bluegill guy. Like, he's like, why am I going to waste my time catching these things that I can't eat? You know? And we finally got him probably, Oh gosh, it's gotta be 10, 12 years ago into pike and muskies. And it's ever since, I mean, he's got just as many rods as I do. He's, he's constantly buying new gear and he's just, he's so excited about it. And he, he only gets to go maybe a week or two a year, but, uh, we have a hell of a time in the boat. It's, it's really fun. <laughs> That's like awesome. It. So how many, how many people go on this trip? So there's four of us and then there, there'll be seven of us up there, uh, okay, spread cool. across three boats. So, Very nice. And who yeah. will be in, do you know your boat yet? It'll be you and Nate. Yeah, uh, Jim and I. Oh, yep. okay. Yep. Yep. Jim Man. and I, and then and Nate took his boat up there. He'll fish with his buddy, Matt. Um, and I'm actually, I talked to Glenn McDonald, Glenn and I are going to fish on Sunday. Oh, cool. Uh, I've, I've shot messages back and forth with Cal Ritchie, uh, who guides up there. He's, he's kind of one of the, the more well-known guides on Eagle Lake for muskies. So, uh, uh, at the very least, I'm sure I'll, I'll see him and talk to him, but hopefully sounds, get in the boat with him. Sounds like you're about to have an okay week. <laughs> I hope so. I really <laughs> hope so. Well, it's funny because there's, there's a guy up there. Um, and some, some people might know his name, Jeff Hageman. He's, he's a Wisconsin guy, but he, I, I don't know exactly why he, he's really well known in the musky world, but he's a hell of a stick. I know I've seen his picture in, in like old musky hunter magazines, but uh, he, he's up there right now and he's been having a miserable week. So I feel bad for him, but I, I, I'd rather hear that right. than, oh, they were on fire this last week because they're not going to be on fire when I get up there. Right. So I, I would rather have this scenario where it's been crummy. Mm -hmm. follow you know you know going into that so and, and we've got a, a new moon a week from today uh so we've and got the some things in our favor the, the dream team's coming into town i told you this before at one of the shows i'm like if there was such a thing as musky or fantasy musky fishing i would have brian and nate is like my top tier team oh, they would they would Don't take tell nate that oh uh, that you guys would take down the best of the best man i i have faith in that Brian, this is this is That's... where all the stalking starts. I'm yeah. just letting yeah. you know. Oh, you've never watched just, the videos. Just like they, it, it all they just always make it happen. Out. When like, Brian and Nate get together, know he's that into people. Like, and all no, of a sudden, it, it's like I watch all the videos. I'm so giving up a lot of info here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a, there was a text message from earlier that was kind of a, a red flag. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I'm just messing out. Oh, like which one was that? <laughs> I thought they were all red flags. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's uh, well. That's I. I just personally, I've always been. I've always gone to Canada. Canada's always had a, a special place for me, and I always, I've always liked the the travel at, like the being able to get away, like that. It's yep. it's getting away. It's nowhere near near home, and and you can just get away and be away from everybody, and you know, be completely isolated. I, I absolutely love the drive up there. I mean, A, it's a beautiful drive. 
B, you've got like the, the anticipation and everything. I mean, it's, it's the exact opposite when you're coming home, you wish you could just snap right. your fingers and, and be home, but there's just something about the drive, you know, crossing the border and getting onto highway 502, which if you talk to old timers that have taken 502, they'll give you that look like, oh yeah, 502. I mean, 502 is literally your choices. If you're not going to be on the road, your choices either go like down 50 feet or hit a granite wall. Those are your two choices. So, and it, it never was a real nicely paved road. So it was, it was, a, it was 90 miles of pretty, pretty dicey driving, but uh, it is, they've, they've since improved it. The, the road's a lot nicer and they've got a lot of barricades on the, uh, uh, some of the more dangerous parts, but uh, yeah, back in the day, back in the early nineties, 502 was, it was kind of scary. <laughs> well, you're a bit of a road warrior. And that was kind of one of the questions I had. I mean, you travel a lot of places, right, Brian? I mean, you, you're all over the place, like all over yeah, the just, just recently kind of, um, started well, and, and part of that is, is going to the shows and getting to talk to all these people. I yeah. would, I would have people reach out to me and say, Hey, you know, Matt Vavrock, come fishing in, with in, me, come fishing yeah, with Matt me Vavrock yeah. in, in Iowa. He says, Hey man, you can stay at my place and, and we'll go fishing. I'm like, mm-hmm. I've never fished in Iowa. I'm in, let's, let's try it. That's awesome. Um, coming out to, I've got some buddies in, in Ohio that, you know, I, I didn't know him from Adam and we're driving out there and we're not going to get there until two in the morning. I'm on the phone with this guy. I don't know. And he's just saying, yeah, I got two beds made up for you, Nate. You can you know, crash here and, and fed us all week. And I mean, it, it was just so amazing. Cool. So yeah, it's, it's really fun. I mean, and I I feel bad because I, I do get a lot of people offering to, Hey, should, let, let's go here. Let's go there. And it's just, again, with, with too the much. family life and everything, it's, yeah. it gets a little well, tight. My question was, as a road warrior, I'm sure you've had a lot of things go wrong on the road. And I was curious if you can think of, like, the, the craziest story you have of, like, I don't like maybe, like, a tire flew off the boat or something, or you were stranded somewhere for a while, or... Gosh, we, God, thankfully, we I really haven't had anything too bad. One year when Nate and I were driving back from Eagle Lake, I can't remember if we were in going through like the arrow arrowhead area of Minnesota, or if we were in Northern Wisconsin, but all of a sudden we got a flat tire and it was uh, a 2006, my 2006 Silverado and me being a dummy. And this is probably 2017 or 16. So it's 10 years of right. rust on the uh, undercarriage of the vehicle. You know how hard it is to get the uh, spare tire down. <laughs> if you, if you've never exercised that little, Rube yeah. Goldberg contraption that they've made. To, you know, it's, it's like, why don't they just put a couple bolts on there to hold yeah. it on? But there's this whole elaborate thing you have to do to drop the tire. It's like so, childproof. Oh, it's ridiculous. So luckily uh, a guy that was driving a wrecker around stopped and, and helped us. I and mean, we were literally beating on this thing with a hammer to try to knock the, the rust off of it. And we finally got the the spare tire off. And, and after that, I, I never, I never, uh, put the spare tire back on. I just left it in the, in the bed of the, <laughs> the bed not of the messing with that again. I'm not monkeying around with that again, but uh, yeah, as far as travel goes, I, I've, I've been really, really lucky. I've, I've never had a bearing blow on a trailer. I've you know, I shouldn't be saying this cause I'm probably going to say wood. knock on everybody right now. Start I, was knocking. Thinking it, I was thinking it the whole time. As soon as Tom asked that question, I'm over here. Like, yeah, like, like, yeah, like, come on, come on, Tom, you don't jinx a guy like that. Jeez. <laughs> Well, our guy Ryan just got a flat in downtown Detroit, which I guess, from what he says, isn't the 
those fun places to get a flat tire in the middle just of the night. Just don't go. Just don't yeah. go to Detroit. <laughs> Stay home. Wait till you, you know, if you're not vaccinated, just wait till the border opens. Whatever. Don't go to Detroit. Well, Brian, have you fished much, uh, you know, like places like Lake St. Clair, things like that? Or is it mainly, you know, where you are in, in up, up in Canada? So I, in the past couple of years, the main spots I've fished are Wisconsin, Iowa, a little bit in Illinois, uh, a little bit in Ohio, did get into the Pennsylvania, West Virginia area uh, a couple of years back. And then I have gone to St. Clair um, twice. I went last July. That was a really fun trip. I got to go out there with uh, Larry Ramsell and oh, cool. uh, my buddy Nate. So that was fun. Um, and then how'd you I get hooked with, up with Larry, Larry Ramsell? I met Larry at uh, Robbie Jarnigo's wedding up in Northern Wisconsin uh, Larry, and then Mark Kornoski, who's a, is a part-time guide. He's a, he's a wonderful guide and just a fantastic person. I, I love Mark to death, man. He's, he's awesome. But Mark and Larry and I started talking and, and Mark said, Hey, Brian, you got to come out and we'll do some filming. And Larry just said, Hey, I'd, I'd love to come. I'm like, absolutely. I would, I mean, to, to be able to fish with, right. with a guy like that, who is, I mean, he's basically the musky historian. So that was, that was a really fun trip. And then later, Last year in November, I, I drove out there and fished with Mark and Mike Ducci again with uh, Ben Stone, who's a, a young guy uh, from Minnesota who has a, a pretty good YouTube channel. He actually yeah. works for a Swedish company called Canal Gratis. He and, came on uh, for a little bit. Yeah, he was, oh, right he was on. on briefly when, when we did the musky battle episode. Part of like a 45 oh. man cast sure. that night. And he was on the he was on the road. So like he he didn't talk much. But uh, but yeah, we <laughs> I, I follow Ben and Ben, he, I think he was just, he was just over in Europe like two weeks ago or something. Yep. yep. He was over in Sweden. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, he's, he's, he's really quiet. And if you get him on the phone, it's, it's like pulling teeth to get him to say something. But when you get in person with Ben, we, we have a riot, man. We just have such a fun time. I fished with him over on St. Clair. I fished with him down. Uh, we've stayed at Matt Vavrock's house. We fished down in, in Iowa. So, uh, and I've, I actually, I learned a ton about filming from watching what Ben was doing, because, you know, that that's what he does for a living. I'm just doing this for fun and I'm trying to do the best I can at it, but you know, that's what Ben is doing for a living. He's making YouTube videos for, for canal gratis. And man, it was, cause there, there's definitely times where I'm out fishing and I get my main camera set up, but I'm thinking, well, I should get some underwater footage or maybe I should throw the drone up or maybe I should do this. And I, I just don't do it. Cause you're, you get preoccupied with fishing and man, he is, he is on it. He is, he's getting his B-roll every day. He's getting his drone shots and you know, he takes the time to just do it. So, you know, I, I just learned a lot uh, from him just about, you know, take the time, get your B-roll shots. You'll thank yourself later when you're editing going, huh, I don't have anything to <laughs> put along with all this other cool stuff I have. So that was, that was really fun to be able to fish with him and, and see how he's, he's doing it and filming. He's a bit of a multi-sport athlete kind of because like there's a lot of there's a lot of people yeah. that are really good at editing and there's a lot of people that are really good at fishing. And you can tell he's a really good fisherman that's also really, yeah. really good at filming and editing. And that's oh, really his, cool. his his edits are awesome. I love watching his videos and trying to, you know, kind of cherry pick little things like, ooh, that, that's kind of neat. You know, I'm, I'll, I'll try that next time I, I get out. And um, yeah, that's a, a lot. Of, and a lot of the times when I'm watching today's angler, I'm watching what Robbie's doing with his edits and, and what he's doing with the camera. So yeah, I, I, I ingest musky videos probably differently than most people do because yeah, I'm watching for the fish and the, and the hit, but 
you know, I'm watching, you know, you got to see what the motion. cool hip young kids are doing. I mean, that's <laughs> smart. Kid, you got to, I, I got all sorts of gray hairs the, that, that yeah. says I'm not a hip young kid anymore. So <laughs> even though I, I try to pretend like I am one. <laughs> no, not as old as Glenn. We, we, I made a comment and I think I upset Glenn. I said, I said that he, he navigates <laughs> YouTube well old, for Glenn. old. I'm You're like, not that old. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the joke now is Glenn's our elderly musky fishing correspondent. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> Nate, Nate, how would you feel if somebody called you old on a podcast? Me? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, I'm not that old, but my students call me old every day. So, I mean, I'm used yeah. to it. He has a bunch yeah. of kids that still think he's cool. So he's like exempt from this conversation. He has yeah. like 500 <laughs> kids that can vouch and say he's still cool. It's just a grand illusion. You know, yeah. <laughs> Brian, I had a question too. Uh, the fishing in Iowa, how was that? My, I married an Iowa girl, so I've, okay. I've yet to bring my rods west. Um, I'm still kind of flirting with that idea. I don't know how it'll go with the in-laws, but um, <laughs> where were you at in Iowa? Well, I, I find it to be amazing out there. It's, it's a lot better. I don't know what my, my preconceived notion was, but it wasn't what it is when you, when you actually get out there. We fished a couple of lakes that don't get a, a ton of press. Like you've got Okaboji and Clear, which are, are sort of in the northern. I think I think the Okaboji chain is kind of the northwest corner of the state. Yeah. And Clear is, is just kind of on the north, mid middle part of the state. <clears throat> so we were fishing some lakes. Um, Pleasant Creek and McBride are, well, are Pleasant two Creek lakes. was yeah, Pleasant Creek was one of the ones that okay. I, my wife's family is like right there. Her, uh, oh, her yeah. dad worked at the power plant that like was in the distance there. And so okay. I guess they just did a big rehabilitation to it. But I, I had yep. no idea Muskie were in that lake. Um, oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. There's some <laughs> there's some good ones in there. Uh, Steve Jonasy. I don't know if, if you guys know Steve Jonasy at all, but he, he he's a guide out there. He he was a guide up in Minnesota kind of back in the heyday of Mille Lacs. And, and, and those, those lakes in the early two thousands probably. And, and now he's guiding down in, in central Iowa there. And he is, he's a hoot to fish with, man. He is so fun to fish with. Um, but yeah, those pleasant Creek and McBride, man, man, if you can get on those two, um, McBride, I think definitely has a, a better chance at a bigger fish, mm. but pleasant Creek, Matt and I, Matt Baverack and I were out there one day and I bet we raised 20, 25 fish. Wow. Oh Yeah. 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 And, and the, it's just, it's this beautiful clear water with, you know, early in the year, there's, there's the curly leaf pond weed popping all up. I, I think in my mind, I was thinking Iowa and, you know, like dirty rivers with catfish in them. And, and I show up and here's these beautiful lakes that we were fishing on. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a little bit of a shock, but I, I love it. I think I'm, I'm actually going to uh, go down there at the end of September for a couple of days and, and fish with Matt again. Uh, I just, it's, it's a, it's a three hour, three and a half hour drive for me to get down there. Um, so Those it's naturals or tigers. Uh, they're naturals. Yep. Yep. So, all right. And I know they, they have to hold off a little bit in the summertime, uh, when the water gets too warm, but I was, I was just shooting messages back and forth with Matt and he said the water had just gotten down to a point where they could start targeting him again. And I, I think him and his dad got three fish might've been on, I can't remember if it was McBride or Pleasant Creek, but, um, yeah, no, it's 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 fun fishing down there. You definitely need to check it out. See, Tom, that's going to be the next question I hit you up with. Uh, travel musky gear. You know, mm -hmm. that's... <laughs> yeah. There's no easy way to travel with musky gear. No, <laughs> no. Get a bigger thing. get a bigger car. That's the tip. 
Well, they're yeah. a bigger truck. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm actually considering driving my wife's minivan to Canada this, this year be, just to, to be able to fit all the rods in. Because <laughs> yeah. we're not taking can... a boat. Because it's different if you're taking a boat. Because if you're taking yeah. a boat, you can store all the shit it's in the a, boat. It's a U-Haul trailer. But, yeah, on the way we're there. not taking, you know, we're, we're not taking a boat. So we got to fit it all into whatever we're taking, you know. If Brian busts that cover off behind him on that boat, there's probably going to be things falling out in every direction. Duffel it's bags and clothes. It's <laughs> not pretty. I don't even know I what you, what you guys are talking about. You need an, one ugly stick, like three forty five pound liters, and about a husky half a jerk. dozen husky jerks. <laughs> Take that up on the Canadian Shield, Owen. Must have read that on Musky Flea Market or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> When you go fishing, like for a week like this, how much do you focus on trying to enjoy yourself? Or are you up there, like, like you said, having to keep, keep yourself on, on schedule to get B-roll and do all this, you know, I don't know. I don't know how you, how you do, do that type of stuff. Well, so even before I started filming, my kind of joke about going on these Canada trips was we go up there for eight days we completely blast ourselves with 16 hours a day of musky fishing. And I come back and go to work to get a break from what I, from my vacation. And, you know, when, when you get up there, you, you feel this need that you have to be on the water every single second. You absolutely can be because it's, it's world-class waters. Why wouldn't you be? So <laughs> even before the whole filming thing, we pushed ourselves pretty hard and, I never wanted filming to get in the way too much of musky fishing. So I spent a lot of the early time trying to figure out ways to make the filming as, as efficient and as clean as possible. I want to set my cameras up, uh, you know, in the morning and hit go and not have to touch them at all unless we catch a fish. So that's, that was kind of my main focus. Those first couple of years was I need to get this, streamlined so that that filming doesn't get in the way of fishing to the point of where I don't want to do it because I think that's what happens to a lot of people is they don't take the time to figure out what the looping function is on a GoPro or figure out how to continuously power a GoPro so they're constantly changing batteries and just this, just figuring out those two things is like 90% of getting to the point where it's not a pain in the butt to film so but, and there's, there's still times when, when you're out there and I'm, I'm looking at my couple of my cameras going, oh, I should probably shoot that. That sunset looks kind of cool or the waves breaking over here is kind of neat. So I'll try to make sure I, I, I film things here and there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've always told myself like, don't make this too much of a job because you're going to start to hate it. And I, I don't want to hate it. I, I love doing it so much that I'd, I'd hate to get to the point where I'm like, oh man, I got to film. Like I want to be excited about it. So uh, I've, I've kept it in that excitement zone so far. Well, I mean, I think, is that a good time to transition over the, the video aspect of things? Cause I know I had a lot of video questions for well, Mr. Scafe here. Or... I was still going to ask, I was going to ask, you know, you're quite a few years into this whole, you know, process and you've still kept a 40 hour a week job. You've still kept this to be the fun part as opposed to like, I would think, having your father you know rick albers and you know all these connections you very easily could have said hey i probably want to make musky fishing my source of income in some way whether it's sales whether it's working sure. for you know chaos tackle how in any way you know why why didn't you ever do that 
So um, I guess my, my, my schooling background, I went to uh, UW Stevens Point in the central part of the state, which is sort of known for as a natural resources school. And <laughs> I have a, a chemistry degree from there. So the job that I was able to get from that is as a, a chemist biologist in a wastewater treatment plant. So I am a city employee basically, and like the benefits are good. The pension's good. It's the hours are fantastic. They let me flex my time. I work six to two thirty most days so I can get out in the afternoons and still, and still fish plenty of vacation. So and it, it was, <clears throat> it was, it was hard to, to walk away from like the whole pension thing and sort of a, a job that I enjoy. Oh, yeah. Would I rather be out there musky fishing more? Absolutely. But then I, I start to wonder, well, am I going to start not liking it because then that's my job. So to, I, I guess I kind of look at, at the whole YouTube and, and working with, with chaos tackle as, as sort of my part-time job, you know, take it as serious as I can without letting it kind of creep into this, the other aspects of, of life, uh, you know, family and, and, um, and work. So, uh, it's, it's a fine line. Sometimes I, I certainly kind of get myself in trouble by maybe being gone a little bit too much here and there. Um, uh, I just had, you know, my, my little guy was like, before I came out to talk to you guys, he was just like, he had tears in his eyes and he was giving me hugs, you know, cause I was going to be gone for eight yeah. days, you know, <laughs> it's like, no buddy, I'll, I'll be, you know, I'm, I'm not going away. I'll, I'll be back, you know? So, uh, sometimes that, that gets a little bit tough, but, um, it's just, it, I still get so much enjoyment from it. Um, and, and just, it's still, it's astonishing to me when people come up to me at the musky shows and, and they'll say, oh, you know, my, my kid and I, we watch every Saturday morning. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. You know, really? <laughs> really? Me? Just, you know, silly me. I'm just, I'm out there mm-hmm. having fun, you know? Um, so that, that part is in itself is just so rewarding. I just get a kick out of it. Makes it worth it to keep oh, doing yeah. it. And... Yep. That's awesome. Any plans to come to Muskie Max in the future? What's that? Yes. Any plans? No, any plans to come in the future? Uh, oh yeah. How's oh, yeah. that going to look now? I mean, with, with, are you going to still be hanging around with chaos or? Absolutely. I already, cool. I already talked to Vince, the new owner and uh, nice. I think Nate, Nate and I are, are going to be at uh, musky max this year. Nice. So. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So the, the, the new owners of uh, uh, Vince and Joel, um, they've been really, really good to work with. They wanted, they, they you know, they, they saw what Rick was doing. They wanted to take that and, and not, step on it. Basically they want to keep it, keep it going the way it was going. The, a lot of the employees that Rick had, um, not that there was a ton of them, but the, the few there were, they kept on, uh, because they just had a ton of knowledge. Trevor Allen is one of them. He was kind of Rick's right-hand man in the, in the shop for sending out orders and just, and, and he does a lot of the social media stuff now. So, um, and then, yeah, when, when Rick sold it, I, I, I sat down with Vince and, and we just, I said, I would love to still be kind of the point man for doing videos for chaos tackle stuff. And, and my whole thing with that is when I was sort of part owner, I guess a very like tiny sliver <laughs> owner uh, of, of chaos tackle. Um, I wanted to promote the stuff, but I, I, I also looked at it. Like I, I hate being like having a hard sell you know, I hate somebody just beating you over the head with like hate. Wow, kind cool. of attitude. Yeah. So I, that that's a fine line too of of trying to 
I want to show chaos tackle products, but I don't want to like force them on anybody. Um, I just, I want people to know that, Hey, we're throwing a Medusa. You know, it's, it's funny. Cause when, when guys hop in the boat and maybe they've got like a bulldog or a swimming dog or, you know, something musky innovations or musky mayhem, they're, they're a little bit like timid about using them. I don't care, man. Our main goal is to catch a musky. You know, if, if it's on chaos tackle products, fantastic. If it's not, whatever, let's just, let's, let's try to get some fish in the boat, have some fun. So, uh, you know, I, and I, and I told that to Vince and he's like, that's fine. You know, just keep being entertaining. And as long as the bulk of it is, is chaos tackle stuff, you know, cause I, I try to use baits. I, I try to use the chaos tackle stuff, but then, you know, I'm really good friends with Lee Tauken. He's got Lee lures. He's got some really cool, unique baits that we don't have uh, a chaos tackle doesn't have as a company. So they, they kind of fill this little niche and I can, I, I can want to talk to you and... about one of his baits, that little, that's that swim bait. That, uh, oh yeah. That, I want to, I want to talk a, a little bit about that. Cause I, I've never fished one like that. And it always looks very interesting. Yeah. It's, it's a cool little bait. It's, <laughs> it's like a hard body. It's a hard body up front and yep, then yep. a rubber tail kind of like, I guess what, like a shallow invader, is kind yeah. of a musky innovations type of minus a lip. Yep. Similar yes. to that. So it's, it, for me, what it, it's most similar to is like a cast tackle Poseidon, which is, is full rubber. And this is, like you said, it's a hard body with a, a soft tail, but it, it's, it's an eight inch bait. So it's a little bit smaller. And I started using it when we were floating, we were doing some river floats because I found out that it stays pretty high in the water column. And, and it just has a, a nice little, excuse me, just a subtle kind of rocking back and forth and the tails kicking around back there. And, uh, actually the, the first time I used it, my, my friend, Nate, who lives in green Bay and I were, we, we were floating one of the rivers up there that, that flow into the, the Bay green Bay. And I had five muskies hit and I could not hook a one of them. I don't know if I was screwing up. I don't know. I, I don't want to blame it on the bait. I just, I, I think the fish were hitting it silly or, or I was, I was screwing up, but I had seen some of the um modifications i know doug wegner has a video about putting a little dropper hook yeah. on a, a invader on an a, invader yeah we've got we, we tom and i both have done that on ours okay so so i decided i'm right i'm gonna drop the hook down and back a little bit and ever since i did that i've hooked up just about every time on it so just just a little bit of a tweak um so yeah it was kind of it was fun to play around with that but yeah that, that's one of my go-tos in, in shallow water is that eight inch pelagic swim bait Hmm. That's interesting. Might have to might have to try to get my hands on on one of those. Well, I think that was that was another thing I was thinking earlier when we were talking about why your channel is so unique and stuff is because you hit the variety. I mean, there there are videos where you're fishing out of like a little clacker craft kind of drift boat, like in a little skinny water, and there's videos mm-hmm. where you're out in four foot waves with Nate, you know, fishing big rubber. It's cool. It's like anyone in the country yeah. can kind of relate to a video one way or another. Yeah. And that's, that's a lot of the fun of it too, is, you know, Eagle Lake is big water, Green Bay is big water. And then you've got, you know, the Madison chain and you've got some of the lakes up in Northern Wisconsin. So your midsize stuff. And then, yeah, you've got these, that's my new, I really love fishing the smaller creeks. And I know you guys have a lot of that stuff out there, the rivers and the creeks. And uh, yeah, Nate, actually, I've got a little 12 foot Alumacraft that was my grandpa's. And so we were, we were taking that out, but it's a, it's a V hole. So if it gets real skinny, there's a, there's someone's a lot of, getting out. Someone's getting out. <laughs> <Not me. laughs> but uh, so Nate bought a, a, a nice little 15 foot flat bottom modified V with a, uh, with a trolling motor on it because we were just, 
I mean, we had a paddle and, and that was it. You know, we'd, we'd drop the boat off here, put a vehicle down here and do the whole float thing. Well, now we can, we've got the option of either maybe running up a river and then floating back. Or if we want to do a, a true float, we can at least use the trolling motor to slow us down and position us because we found that we, we lost so much time having one guy rowing and the other guy casting, you know, this way, you know, we can have that trolling motor into the, the flow of the river and, and position ourselves and slow ourselves down so we can, we can focus on some spots in the river. And by no means are we good at it. I mean, we're still trying to figure out the whole river thing, but it is a blast. And it's, mm -hmm. for me, it's fun to film because it's, you know, there's not as many houses and, and there's just, I don't know, it, th those are, those are my favorite ones right now to, to film and edit. I've actually got um, some stuff that we did up, up North, uh, a couple, couple river floats that we did in a small lake that we fished and didn't really catch anything big, but it, I think in three casts, we caught three muskies, you know, they were all in that high 20, low 30 inch range. One was a beautiful tiger muskie. Um, so yeah, it, that, that variety is, it, it keeps it fun. It, it keeps it fun for me because I'm not constantly editing the same thing over and over again. You know, if I was constantly doing Eagle Lake videos or constantly doing, it, it would, it would probably get a little bit stale, but just about the time, you know, I get done editing the seventh or eighth Eagle Lake video and I'm going, huh, one of these again, I've got something else that we filmed uh, earlier in the year that I can, I can work on. Um, so yeah, that, that variety, like I said, it, and hopefully it keeps mm -hmm. it interesting for people to watch too. It definitely does. And it makes it, like I said, more relatable. Cause I mean, we don't have the necessarily the giant water local to us. Like, like sure. you said, we have the little creeks and the little rivers. So it's cool mm -hmm. after, like you said, it gets stale after we watch so many St. Clair videos. Like, yeah, it's cool, but I want to see something right. like what I have watching at home, the same you know? guys yep. fishing the same giant water that looks mm -hmm. the exact same. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, you know, it's cool after for a little bit, but come on, let's change it up a bit. Mm-hmm. And you actually came out this way to fish, right? With the Cody Dalton, I think. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, that was a couple of years ago. Uh, in fact, that's <laughs> that's my most popular video. I don't know. Really? I don't really know why? Really? But because all the um, all the dirty yinzers up here want to know where it's at. Probably <laughs> they're all taking notes. <laughs> well, we, I know that bridge. <laughs> yeah. Nate, Nate Bud's hey, about. Shit. I know that bridge. I see. Right there here. he is. He Read. That's right down on the rocks. Oh, that's the rocks <laughs> bridge down there. <laughs> So the, the, glass. Funny part of, the funny part about that one is, is, uh, we were out, we were down there, you know, fishing below this little spillway and I, I got one and it was, I can't remember. It was like a low forties, but it was a beautiful fish. And, uh, so the, the funny thing about YouTube videos is you've got to make a thumbnail. So the thumbnail is just the picture that you put so that when it shows up in somebody's, you know, when somebody opens up YouTube, the picture is, is what they're looking at along with the title. Right. And if you can, if you can kind of grab them with, with your title and that thumbnail, that's the way you get views, man. I mean, I, you could have the most spectacular video in the world, but if you don't have something that grabs people to, or, you Nobody's know, clicking. gets them to gravitate towards it and click on it, it's not going anywhere. So I'd, I think it was from watching, uh, you guys know Matt Streichel from SB Fishing or know of him. I mean, SB Fishing is a pretty big uh, uh, YouTube fishing channel. Um, I noticed that he was taking his thumbnails where he would just, he'd take the bait and, and the rod and kind of hold it out in front of his chest cam and then pull a still off that and use that as the thumbnail. So I, I'm like, well, musky fishing, you know, the baits are big and they're kind of cool. So I started playing around with that. And then you've got, is it like, I think it's pig patrol and uh, Millican fishing. They do a lot of the spillway stuff. Like if, if you type in spillway, 
you look at these videos that have, you know, I'm, I'm happy if I get 10 or 15,000 views. These have 150, 300,000 views, these, these spillway fishing videos. So I caught the fish and I'm like, okay, we, we got a video out of this. What can, I, what can I do for a thumbnail? So that's just, that's one more thing you have to think about. What, what's going to be my thumbnail for this video? So I turned towards the spillway and I held up the Medusa and the rod. And I just, I pulled a still from, from my chest cam. And that was the, um, the thumbnail for that video. And I think it's at 377,000 views now. Wow. Like it's, it's just insane. Um, which, you know, for, for me anyway, I mean, there's channels out there that get that regularly. Um, you know, the John yeah. B's and the AP basses and all those guys, but, but yeah, for me, that was, that was just amazing musky to, video. To, I mean, Oh yeah, yeah. it's, it's unreal so well i think that uh, just that, that, that was, just goes to show you what a small subset musky fishing is oh yeah as compared to the the giant you know youtube i mean there are guys making lots and lots of money on youtube as fishing oh, yeah. you know but musky guys i don't know that there's anyone really making a lot of money on musky videos mm. I don't no, think you're nope. going to be a full-time I mean, I mean, really, musky YouTuber. I, I don't think I, that's possible. I, I haven't, I haven't looked and seen what, who the biggest, who has the most followers out of the musky guys. Is it, you know, is it today's angler? Is it Doug Wagner? I, you know, I don't know. Is it probably maybe Brian? Was, oh no, I'm, I'm maybe like, like I, on my best day, I'm maybe top five, um, <laughs> maybe. But I, you know, I, I, I guess I would say probably uh, Lee and Robbie. Uh, today's angler being, you know, I mean, we all do multi-species stuff here and there just to kind of fill in uh, between, you know, because 52 weeks of musky fishing is just almost impossible. But uh, as far as channels that are are mostly musky based, I'd say today's angler is about 60. They're they're right around 60,000 subscribers. I know Doug Wagner, I, th I think is like 18. He's in the high teens. Burn and eights are 14, 15,000 subs. I'm sitting just above 9,000 right now. Um, but you, 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 you've got a lot of kind of smaller channels. You've got, you've got 54 bus Glenn's channel. You've got uh, Smith's fishing outdoors, Jason and Fisher Smith. They do a nice job. Um, Madison angling, my buddy Noah, um, you know, he's, he's right in that area too. And I'm, 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 I know I'm missing somebody's channel here and I apologize if I do, but yeah, I mean, 60,000 with today's angler is about the top end. And then you get into the, the teens and, you know, I'm, I'm, I really keep my fingers crossed. I'd love, I'd love to hit 10,000 subscribers by the end of the year, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, is that video going to be the, the fish of 10,000 subs? Ooh, <laughs> you may have Ooh. just given me an idea. There you go. <laughs> just need that. a thumbnail. Did you see Nicely done. Credit. Credit Nate, but z -z 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 yeah, good luck spelling his name in that one. <laughs> nice, do what I can. I wrote his name on an envelope today, and usually, you know, you can look at someone's last name and like two looks, you can get it. Like I can be like Scafe, S K A I F E. I looked at Nate's. I think it took me twelve looks to write that freaking name on it. I was like B U B. You could. I think you could go back in in me and Nate's. Um, original conversation when i he first ordered some baits off of me and i asked him for his name and spelling and he gave me the name <sighs> and spelling and, and my 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 next message back was just what a great pittsburgh name mm -hmm. <laughs> don't know how to say yeah. it but very pittsburgh <laughs> yeah two z's and a ski it's what we do <laughs> two z's yeah. and a ski. there it is <laughs> <laughs> That makes that's it awesome. easier. Yeah, that's the best. 
I have a question for Brian. Let's do it. All right. This is more along the, the YouTube type question. Let's switch gears. Let's get the filming here. Cause I got a yeah. lot of those. I want to ask, you know, we're talking about what we were just talking about is subscribers. You know, everybody mm-hmm. talks about subscribers. I hear guys that have channels that I've talked to. It's like all about the subs. It's all about the subscribers. Like, you know, like from your perspective though, like if you're, if you guys want to talk like purely like success subscribers, like that would be a metric that I would consider would be like top metric. But, you know, we talk about these guys like making money and things like that. It's not necessarily the subscribers that makes you that money. So from your perspective, like, you know, if you're trying to do this, maybe not for a living, but if you want to try to make some money on the side with it, you know, what, what do you feel like is one of the most important things when it comes to making a video and trying to be successful financially? I'm just curious. Sure. So, and you're, you're right. It, subscribers doesn't get you a penny. I mean, it, it, it's nice because you have this base of people and when, you know, I, I found that when I'm looking at videos and I'm trying to figure out, do I watch this one or this one? I, I typically have like, which one of these has the most subscribers so that it's, it's definitely something that, that you want to strive for, because I, I do think it kind of drives people towards watching one of your videos or watching your channel. But what, what it really comes down to, if you want to make money is number of views and more specifically, it's the watch time. So, you know, if, if, if I've got a video, any video I have, that's over eight minutes long, I can place ads wherever I want to. I mean, I could, I could put 20 ads in a 10 minute video, but then people would get pissed off and they wouldn't want to watch it. So you have to be careful there too. So typically my rule of thumb is I'll place three video or or three ads per video, as long as it's, you know, in that 12 to 15 minute range enough that I'm, I'm getting something from it, but not so much that I'm driving people away by putting too many ads into a video. Um, but yeah, it's kind of cool. Uh, YouTube has changed your financial, uh, remuneration, uh, the, the number of ads that you place in your, like, can you, if you place five ads in a video, are you thinking, okay, I'm going to make more money on this? Yep. Yep. You de- So you would, as long as you can retain your audience, as long as you're not having people leave because you've got, so it's, it's, it's definitely walking a tightrope because one of the metrics that YouTube gives you, like when you have, when you have a YouTube channel, there's a YouTube studio app. And I mean, you want to talk about analytics, you can, you know, genders, ages, um, countries that are watching, how long they're watching for your, the click through rate. I mean, there, there's stuff that I, I can't even wrap my head around some of the stuff, but what it really comes down to is how many views does a video get? And then how long are people retaining, you know, or are staying with your video? Because I mean, YouTube wants people to stay on their platform. So they don't, they don't care if it's a fishing video or a gardening video or a a makeup tutorial or or whatever, but they're going to push like with the algorithm is going to push people towards the videos that have the biggest retention time based on their analytics. So that that's, that's basically what it comes down to is how many views can you get? You know, you could have, you you have to have a thousand subscribers and you have to have 4,000 hours of of view time to monetize your channel. And you have to keep that up. You know, if you ever go below that threshold, they cut you off from monetization, but as long as you're over that threshold, I think, you know, so, so just to give you an idea, I probably get, 40,000 views a month or like every 28 days. 
my watch time is probably four to 5,000 hours in that time period. And I think I'm getting about $300 a month from that. So, I mean, it's not nothing, but it's, right. you know, it's, it, it pays for trips. It, it, it's, it's enough that I'm like, okay, it's, it's doing something. Um, but yeah, it's, if you really want to make money just off the ad revenue from YouTube, you have to have, you know, you have to be in the hundreds of thousands of views per month and, and really cranking out videos very consistently, probably, I mean, more than once a week, probably twice a week. Um, but I know a lot of, so that, that was one of the things I learned too, getting in this and kind of going down the rabbit hole of, of how to create a successful YouTube channel. Most of the revenue people make isn't from the ads. It's from either affiliate marketing or, you know, creating a product that they can sort of promote. Um, and and, and there, there's, you know, if you're going to be successful doing this, you've got to have at least two, three, four different revenue streams other than the ad or other than the ad revenue you get from YouTube actually. That makes sense. Like YouTube is, is, is almost kind of like a, a platform, just one of many platforms, really. Like if you get famous on YouTube, you also need to market Instagram and, you know, all these other things because you're not going to make, you're not going to make your nut just on YouTube. You got to diversify. Yep. And that's where I, I kind of fall behind. I mean, I've got an Instagram, but I don't post to it nearly enough. You know, it, if, if you're going to be successful at the whole social media, whether you want to call it YouTuber, influencer, whatever it is, I mean, it, it really is a full-time job if you're going to do it right and be successful at it. Um, I'm doing it just enough to have fun and, and you know, uh, make a little bit of a dent out there. But uh, yeah, if you were really going to do it full-time, it's, it is a full-time job. It's, it's not just kind of sitting around filming yourself on your phone. You know, there's, there's misconceptions that people have about that. And, um, yeah, you know, you, you get, you get these Instagram girls or the, you know, people might think it's silly, but man, some of those girls that do the makeup tutorials and stuff, they're busting their butt. I mean, they're doing a lot of oh, work, yeah. but they're making, they're making money for it too. So you were saying misconceptions. I think that's one of the big misconceptions with YouTube. I know a lot of like my local friends that aren't on social media, the fish, they're like, all the YouTubers want to do is like get rich and stuff. And I'm like, well, unless like a guy like you, I mean, how many hours do you think you put into a video, Brian? Like a, like a 10 minute video. I mean, at least a couple I mean, hours, I would think. Oh yeah. Just, just the edit time is probably depending on how fancy you want to get is probably anywhere from three to five hours. That's what I mean. And then, so you add that up and you're saying you're making what 300 bucks a month, maybe 500 on a good month for all those yeah. hours. You're nobody, unless you're getting 10 million, 20 million views on a it, you're not getting rich. Like it's yeah. a hobby. It's something for fun that you enjoy yeah. doing. Yeah, no, it's, it's a terrible way to get rich. <laughs> I, have, I have one more question because I talked yeah. to my father-in-law is an accountant. Okay. And I've talked to him about this and I did not know this until recently. Now don't like, don't take this for complete gospel legal like, this advice. Is, this is legal like, advice, but, financial advice. Uh -oh. but I was told that for YouTube, you can actually write off like, like cameras, like when you're monetized and you, you know, you can, you're making money, you can write off cameras, you can write off trips. You know, if you're filming, you're promoting somebody, you can, you can write that off to a certain extent. Like, I don't know what that dollar amount is, but I found that to be very interesting because, you know, I've never done anything like that before. I've never heard of anything like that, you know, until recently. So 
I was so yeah, I I I think it was after I, I did a video where I I um I took the transom out of this because it was basically falling apart and I replaced the transom. So after I got it done and I had it up on YouTube, I was talking to uh, my father-in-law, Rick, and he said, uh, do you have a disclaimer on that? It's like, no, but that's a good idea because Lord only knows somebody could say, well, I, I, I did this watching your video and, and my motor fell off the back of my boat. Oh, yeah. So I, I quickly got into the description of the video, put a disclaimer in there. And then uh, shortly thereafter, I made sure to make Angling Anarchy uh, an LLC just so that mm, those damn you know, can't take them for always worth now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, but then that way it, it legitimizes too. When I do, you know, I've got a guy that I go to that does my taxes and, and he basically said, well, you know, keep track of, of your mileage and food. And, you know, I'm not going to make enough to justify no. writing off the boat, but I'll, you know, cause you, you can't really, you, you sort of have to show up a little bit of a profit every, I think yes. it's three to five years. I think, it's, kinda... I think it's five years if I'm not, it's yep. either, yeah, right. It's either three or five years. That way you can't just start. The whole point uh, is that otherwise everyone would just keep starting new businesses, incurring a shitload of debt and just writing yep. off losses. So, uh, cause I asked this whenever I was like, man, I got like two grand into, you know, all this bucktail stuff. I'm like, you know, what, can I write that off? And my accountant was like, no, like you got to actually like start making some money before you can actually start writing stuff off. But if you are showing some profit over a couple of years, then yes, then I, I think you could probably buy some cameras and write it off. It, you yep. know, it, it would make sense to me. Yeah. So I've been able to do that the last couple of years, just, uh, you know, making, uh, just basically making just enough doing this to justify being able to write some of it off. But yeah, it is a, there is a fine line there too, where, uh, it, yeah, you, cause like you said, uh, Owen, then everybody would just try to write off their hobbies and, and, right. you know, it would just be a mess. So yeah, you do have to, and, and, and that's why it's good to have a, a good, uh, financial guy. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not big enough where I can spend thousands of dollars on one, but you know, I, I give uh, this guy in town a couple hundred bucks every year to do my taxes for me. And I give him all my receipts and he either says, yeah, you can do this or no, you can't. I'm like, yeah. you're the guy you take oh, care of it, man. My guy makes me add my receipts up. I got to go to your guy. <laughs> well, I do at the end of the year, I've got like a spreadsheet where I've got mileage and food and I, I, I usually just hand that to him and he's like, you got all the receipts for these, right? And I'm like, yes, I do. All right. Hold on to him. <laughs> Here's a bag. Just dump it on the table. <laughs> so, so I didn't watch, I haven't seen that transom video that you mentioned, but do you do much of like the boat repair boat kind of like modification videos? I've done a couple of them. I actually, I built, so I, I tore, I completely tore out every piece of wood in this boat probably four or five years ago and recarpeted and revinyled the the whole thing which i would never recommend ever doing that to anybody uh, because did you rewire gigantic it pain in the ass uh, did you rewire it no i haven't done that but i probably should okay because i yep. just rewired my little boat and it's only like okay. a four circuit you know like a, it is not a, a complicated <laughs> system but holy shit is there a lot that goes into that so when I, when I, when I recarpeted this and revinyled it, I had just enough so that I could, there's a, the, the space in the back, you know, the back deck was maybe about that wide. Well, I, I took it out another 18 inches by adding two big uh, lids basically 
with storage underneath and I put hanging musky bait storage in some of the compartments. Um, and it's, it's cool because people hop in the boat and it, it looks like it, that's, that's how it came. So when my, when Nate bought his crest liner, we did the same thing to his, he just, you know, and that kind of freaked me out because a, it wasn't my boat and B it's brand new. And uh, he's like, yeah, start drilling holes in it. <laughs> better his than yours, I guess. Sayonara warranty. <laughs> right. So, but, but we filmed that too. I've, I've got, I've got two separate videos. One, when I did, uh, uh, the back deck modification on mine, we did the, a video on, on Nate's. I did the transom video. Um, there's a couple other ones I've, I've done. Uh, I like, I see my big thing is, is teaching people about how to use a camera in a boat. Um, I've, I've had a couple of musky groups come to me and say, Hey, why don't you, why don't you come talk about musky fishing Eagle Lake or Iowa? And I'm like, I'm not the guy that you want. I'm just, I'm an idiot that loves to go musky fishing, but you've got your, you know, you've got your Steve Herbex and your, you know, whatever name you want to say that knows a lot more about musky fishing than I do. But what I do know pretty well is you take musky fishing and you take filming and you put it together. I know that well enough that I, I feel like I can talk to people and relay some, some good information about, you know, even if you just want to get that one camera in the boat and not have it be a pain in the ass, you know, that's, keep it that's running on, the That's on time. my list of questions is sure. like the simplicity. Yep. Like if you could, cause I wanted to get into a couple of things first, what kind of setup you've graduated to now, but sure. really like if you like just a regular weekend warrior, that wants to capture what they're doing and doesn't want it to be a gigantic pain in the ass to run one, maybe two cameras on a boat. Like, sure. could you give a little bit of advice on the, before what we, might, might be a good way to, before we pepper them with the quicks, I got a bunch too. Why don't we get a little history on the video? How did that come into play? I mean, did that come before the muskie or that, like, is that something you decided to do when you were like, this is cool. I got to film this or were you always, you know, like as a kid, were you into filming or. No, so it was it was a couple of years into into the musky fishing, and I I don't know what the real like genesis of it was, but I just I remember I ended up with a GoPro Hero Three Black was the first one I had, and I I wore it as a, a head cam, and I, I I caught a couple of fish blowing up on top waters when Rick and I were up on Eagle Lake, and a, I had this cool follow where the fish kind of opened its mouth and missed the bait and veered off, and you know like I was saying before, you go back and you're all excited to watch it, and you're watching it going. Well, now what do I do? With totally it, not know? as cool as it looked in person. It's not nearly <laughs> as cool as you think it's going to be. So that was the start of it. And, and just from, from watching Keys Outdoors, and actually there was a, so I don't know if you guys have ever seen, uh, uh, there was a show called Catch in the Bluegrass. And it was Crash Mullins from, uh, uh, who's since passed, uh, uh, but him and his son, Justin, had a, a, a musky fishing show called Catch in the Bluegrass. And it was early on when we were making Esox Assault Bucktails and, and we kind of partnered with them to do ads on, on their show. And I got invited down. Rick couldn't go fish with them. So I got to go fish with Justin. And they just had one camera guy in the boat, you know, no GoPros, just like the, the big old camera, uh, sort of sort of musky hunter style, you know, musky hunters, that single camera uh, feel to it. And, I, and I'm watching it going, man, between watching keys and watching what they were doing, I, I, I just got this feeling like I can do this, not, I can do this better than them, but I can pull this off and maybe start to figure out how to edit things and, and learn how to do this. So that's kind of where I got the idea of doing it from. And 
so I guess my setup now is I, I built a, a rig to hold two cameras up on a pole about six feet up in the boat to catch the bow in the stern. And then I've got two cameras right on the gunnel to catch, you know, if a fish jumps or, or if a fish hits the bait on a figure eight and flips out of the water or when you're netting the fish, you know, it, it captures those moments. And then I, I always have a chest cam on, which that's, that's a whole other thing, head cam versus chest cam, because you, 95% of people vehemently say they can't stand watching uh, videos with any sort of chest cam. And I'm like, well, every single one of my videos has a chest cam in it, but it's not solely a chest cam. If I have a shot where my hand is and the reels get in the way, I don't use that. I go to one of the other cameras. The 99% of what this chest cam is for is audio because your back, your back is to okay. the wind most of the time. I never time. thought about that. Yeah. That's, that's a hundred percent what it is. And, and that came from, uh, Lee and Robbie fished with John B who, I mean, John B is 1.5 million subscribers. He's a gigantic fishing channel, but this was back, you know, he maybe had five or 600,000, which is still amazing. But <laughs> Lee was asking him, what's, what's up with the chess cam? All you bass guys have this chess cam stuff. And he said, audio, man, you can have the best video in the world. The cinematography can be great. The editing can be fantastic, but if the audio sucks, people will not watch it. You can have a subpar video with excellent audio and you'll get way more people to watch that video. So as soon as I heard, cause I was, I was in the same camp. I'm like, what is with this chess cam stuff? It is just ridiculous. But once I started watching the videos, I'm like, oh yeah, their audio is pretty spot on. It's like, you, you can't hear the wind. You can tell it's windy, but you can't hear it at all. Um, and there, there's you, a couple do, of little, does that have, little, do you put a microphone on the, on the, you know, has some of those, the newer GoPros have the, I guess the guy uh, of the possibility of attaching a, a microphone. Am I, am I right there? So I've, I, I've got a pile of hero four silvers because I think that is the best in camera microphone that GoPro ever made. And I just put a little piece of like, like the dead cat that you see over top of a, a big microphone. I've got one of those that I cut little pieces off of and, and I, I just, I glue it in place over top of the, the input for the, the GoPro microphone. And that completely cuts all the wind. The audio is, is amazing. There's most of the time, the audio on my videos, even if we're using my big, uh, like the nicer Canon camera, I've got a shotgun mic, uh, nine times out of 10, I actually revert to using the audio from my, from my chest cam rather than that, just because it is, it's, it's so good. So, um, the, the other, the other thing with the chest cam is as I, I found a harness that sits the camera up I mean, the difference between having it here and here is huge. Um, one thing, the other thing I did is, is some people, I, I'll turn sideways here. So if, if the camera's kind of pointed down this way, as soon as you bend over to do your figure eight, mm -hmm. all you see is ankles your knees, and feet. Yeah. If you have it, for me anyway, if it's, if it's parallel with my chest, as soon as I bend over, now it's looking straight down, looking down. in the water. Right. And, and, you know, I, I've... I've altered my figure eight a little bit. I mean, there's times when I'll just go to like a one hand one, just cause just to get my hands out of the way. And, but that's usually if a fish is being lazy and I just kind of want to get, well, okay, you guys can see the fish. It's following my bait around. <clears throat> I don't ever want to sacrifice catching a fish for a shot with the chest cam, because I know I've got other cameras that'll catch it. Um, but there are definitely things that I'll do to sort of augment what I can get from the chest cam. Cause 
it, you can get some pretty cool shots of the fish falling in the figure eight or, or some hits. Do you do a head cam at all or just the chest nope. cam? Nope. I tried it and it, it gives me a headache and mm-hmm. it just, it's, it's too all over the place yeah. for me. I mean, your head moves around a lot, but your, your chest doesn't move a, a ton. So it's a little bit nicer that way. And not that a head cam isn't, I mean, you can get some fabulous shots of a fish coming in and hitting on a figure eight. Uh, Doug Wagner does a nice job uh, of, of using those shots minimally, using those shots when, when that fish is coming in. Cause otherwise it's, you know, look at the locator, look out here, look over here, look, you know, you're all over the place. Right. So if, if you can, if you can take those head cam shots and, you know, edit them in with a couple other shots you have, then yeah, it, it's great, but you don't have the audio getting up here as well as you have it going down to your chest. So, um, makes a lot yeah, of sense. So I, I got off the, so, so, so at any one time, I've got at least five cameras running, two on the pole, two on the gunnel, and then uh, a chest cam. I've got a nice uh, a Canon M50. It's a mirrorless camera uh, that I've got kind of on a little holder just so it's it, less chance of it falling in the drink when you're when you're holding it. So I'll use that when we get a fish in the net and you want to sort of focus on the, on the fish. It's a little bit higher quality than what you get with the GoPro. Um, I've got a, a, a drone that I'll throw up in the air every now and again, and that's just kind of to get some cool B-roll shots. Or if you're fishing a reef and you go up high enough, you can kind of see the reef. Um, so yeah, it, at, at any one time, at the end of the day, I, 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 could, I could have film from up to seven or eight different cameras. So yeah, it gets to be a little bit of a chore. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I had a question kind of about that because I'm sure. I'm very very mediocre filmer over here and like I have three cameras, sure. and I even struggle with that. Like, so I don't. How do you go about picking where you start for a video? Like when you're out fishing, are you like I'm gonna start with like the boat cam and I'm gonna edit in like the cool shot? Does that make any sense? Because sure. I I get overwhelmed. Like I'm like yeah, where, where where when do I go to which thing? Like I've I've just got I guess. The- the best way I can answer that is I've got all the cameras running all the time as much as I can. Uh-huh. And when I go to edit it, I'll, I'll just say, Ooh, that shot looks cool at, at that point. And I've, I've never considered myself much of an artist. I've tried. If, if you've seen any of my drawings, they look like a five-year-olds. I can't do that sort of art, but I guess the one thing I feel like I am halfway decent at is taking these little bits of video and going, Ooh, that lo- looks cool. And let's, you know, move to that shot or, or, you know, this shot goes on for too long. Let's, let's cut here and, 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 and go from the chest cam to the the top cam, just so people aren't getting bored with just that one, one view. Um, I get, hopefully that, that makes a little bit of sense. It at, does. at that point you, you just, you just kind of got to feel it out and, and think to yourself, you know, do I want this to look like somebody else's video or do I want to try to do something a little bit different with it. I mean, mm-hmm. making it look like somebody else's video is not a bad thing. You know, if you've got a style that you think would look cool. Um, yeah. But I guess I also wanted to go back because, because Owen had asked about, you know, going from what my setup is to somebody that maybe only has one camera or, or maybe two cameras. Like I have um, a tiny boat. Like I have a little yep. 16 foot boat. It's more or less a John boat, you know, so I, I couldn't, the most I could really probably run is one star. Oh, no, I mean, I, you could really run. You could pepper them all over. The yeah. Place. You could really pepper them all over on a little boat, I guess. Yep. Um, the head cam is not a bad option because if, if you're just filming to show 
a little snippet of something to your buddies or just for that's your own what use. i've always done like i've used the head cam because yep. if i ever want to go look back and it, i've always used it to see if i if i saw a fish like to kind sure. of confirm what i what i think my brain told me i saw like that i saw a flash i saw a follow whatever the head cam is the best way to confirm that i i'd say the head cam is probably one of the the better ways to do it because that's going to get your action. That's going to get your hit. You know, it'll be a little bit jumpy, but at that point, you're not worried about that. You're just trying to kind of capture that moment, like for yourself and for your, to show your buddies, um, the kind of the back corner of the boat up a little bit higher. So you can kind of watch everything. That's not a terrible view. Um, I like to fish from the back of my boat. So I was oh, okay. thinking of maybe putting, putting a, um, like one of those mobile stands at the bow in sure. the light, and in the light. Shoot thing. back. Yep. Yep. That'd be a way to do it. And there, you know, other than, uh, there's, there's a product called a YOLO tech stick and that actually fits into the, uh, light receptacle either at yep. the front or back of the boat and draws power from the battery to run the GoPro on it. It's a really cool product. It's just, I started doing this before it was kind of commercially available. So I, everything that's in my boat, I've sort of built either out of Ram mounts or pieces of, uh, you know, tubing or, or what have you. So, you know, there's, <laughs> do you, do you run, do you run all the cameras off of the in-house battery or do you run them off of like an external battery that you bring on the boat? So I've gotten to the point where I've got two Helix 12 Humminbirds on the boat and they just drain the crap out of the battery to the point where <clears throat> I was losing power to some of the cameras if I were to crank the, the battery in the boat. Really? Um, yeah. Huh. Yeah. They, they, those stupid things draw those batteries down so bad. So what I did with all my GoPros is I either use, um, I've, I've got a bunch of Milwaukee tools. So the, the 18 volt batteries from the Milwaukee tools have a little thing that you can slide over the top and it's actually got a USB port. So you can power the GoPros from one of those batteries, or you can buy the batteries that you use to charge a cell phone. I think, you know, uh, an anchor 30 milliamp or was it 13 yeah. milliamp hour, 13,000 milliamp hour typically runs a GoPro 14 hours, give or take. Um, the new GoPros, anything, a, a GoPro five or higher, you can, as long as you take the battery out of it and then plug into the USB C port on the side and then plug that into a power source, it'll run the camera for however long the battery lasts. Uh, just make so sure take you take the, the in, take the battery out of it. Take the internal battery out of it because if you don't, it's gonna it's gonna start shutting off on you. Yep. So and, and then if 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 you've got anything like a Hero Four, I've got special cords that actually they're they're called battery eliminators. I um, bought those because of one of your videos, Brian. Oh yeah, I got a yep. whole and, shitload and, of and them if, now. If, if if people listening to this are wondering, if you go into the description of just about any of my videos, I, I list all the stuff that I use, and you can typically find. Uh, find stuff there. But uh, yeah, that, and that's one of the biggest things I tell people is the two things you have to do to not make this a pain in the butt is power those GoPros continuously. So you're not constantly changing batteries because the little GoPro batteries are good for an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Right. So if you can do that, and then there's a function on any, any of the newer GoPros, I think any of the hero three or higher GoPros have is called the looping function. <clears throat> and I've actually made a video about this because it, it's a little bit funky how it works. So I'll, I'll try really quick to explain what looping is here. If you choose the five minute loop function on a camera, as soon as you hit record, that camera starts recording your video 
And once it hits one minute, it kind of saves that little chunk of video and it starts filming the second minute. And then it films the third minute all the while, you know, if you, if you take these little chunks and put them together in your editing software, it's continuous. There's no breaks or anything, but what the camera's doing is it's, it's filming these little discrete one minute chunks. And as soon as it gets done filming the sixth minute, that first minute, it gets rid of it. And then it starts filming the seventh minute and then it gets rid of the second minute. So you've got kind of this, it's, it's going along and it, it, it's constantly filming what's happening because as we all know, you could fish for 12 minutes or 12 hours. You just don't know when the action is going to happen. And that's the biggest thing is you want that hooks that you want the surprise of the fish showing up at the side of the boat. You know, you, you don't want to turn the cameras on when that part has already happened. So when it, when the camera's looping, it's constantly saving the newest stuff and getting rid of the oldest stuff on that SD card so that when something does happen and you catch the fish and you get it in the net, you can stop the camera. And from that point where you hit stop back five minutes, it saved everything. Hopefully that makes it does. Sort of so sense. what, so what would the benefit of that be opposed to just running like a 256 gig card, filming the whole day, throwing it on a laptop and going and being like, okay, this is where the cool thing was delete. Sure. Cause, cause that's an option too. I know, I know, uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff from team Rhino outdoors films that way. So you can, you can absolutely do that, but I can take a 32 gigabyte card and film all day and I hardly uh, ever fill it up. Okay. So, so you're fishing for two hours at a time. And when something happens, you've got five minutes of film and it's just the five minutes that you want. And, and gotcha. for me editing that most nine times out of 10 from the time we hook a fish, you know, get out, get settled down, get the bump board wet put the bump board down, measure the fish, talk to the camera and release it is usually about three and a half, four minutes. I was going to ask you kind of what your, what your routine, like how, have you, do you have it yep. down exactly what you do when the fish hits the net? Like here's so, what, here's what's first. Yep. So that, that's, that is one of the problems. And, and the, one of the complaints about, about looping is if you forget to stop it, it's, you're it, filming it over away. it. Yeah. It, it, it just it's gone i've only of the probably a couple of hundred muskies i've got on film i've only had that happen twice where we kind of got wrapped up in what was happening you release the fish you're kind of high-fiving you're like oh that was awesome you go uh oh i didn't stop the cameras so what i typically do is as soon as the fish gets in the net i'll look at the time on either you know my phone or the uh locator and i'm like we got four minutes and if, if, if we can't get done with this in four minutes, I got to stop the cameras just to make sure everything's saved. Or if, if I, if I look at the fish in the net and I'm like, man, we got to do some surgery. We, we got to get out the nipex and, and cut, cut some hooks. I'll stop the cameras. That way I know the hit and the fight is all saved. I can start them back up because, because even, even if you're looping, if you, if you stop them and you start it back up and you film for two and a half minutes and stop it again, it's all there. It's all saved. You don't have to worry about it. Um, so what about that, doing it? I think, I think I have a five and I have a seven and I, at least okay. on one of them has a 20 minute looping feature. Yep. And, which and would that's give you a little option. bit more grace, a little bit more grace, you know, yep. you know, room for error, I guess. I know there's a lot of guys that go with the 20 minute. I, I like to keep it to the five because of those, the, those little one minute sections that it saves it in are so I've gotten so used to editing those. Uh, because once you go to the 20 minute loop, it starts saving the chunks in five minute 
five minute pieces. Um, so yeah, that, that's an option too. I, I don't know why somebody at GoPro hasn't made a 10 minute option because I think that would be perfect, but yeah, it goes from five to 20. I think there's a 60 minute option and, and maybe one or two others, but, um, yeah, <laughs> excuse me, essentially between powering your GoPros externally with bigger batteries and using the looping function that from what I've experienced that solves like 90% of the hindrance that you get from running cameras in the boat. I mean, powering them alone. Down, that's like, yeah. Oh yeah. When I started filming, yeah, that no. was my issue. I'd go through, I'd burn through three batteries, charge them once and be like, screw this. I'm done. If you I, can get mm -hmm. that powered, you're good. See my, oh. my problem is with you guys talked about the head cam. Well, I started with the head cam and then I noticed like after wearing the strap all day, like it, I get a major headache, number one, but number yep. two, like, how are you powering? I mean, I, I have probably seven of those anchor batteries, you know, like, but I can't find a good way to, to mount it for the head cam. Cause those GoPro power cables are like, what are they? Six inches, not even. Ones, I think. Yeah, yep, Tom. Just, Tom gave me an aftermarket one that mm -hmm. was like Gabe's five baby. below or something. Yeah, yeah, five below or Gabe's, one of the yeah. two. Yeah, I've I've got all sorts of, of uh, ten foot cables that go from a, a USB A, which is what you plug into the power source, to a USB C. And so for my uh, chest cam, which would be kind of the same thing, um, you, you know. And I know guys that run head cams that just plug in and just kind of run the cable down, you know, back through your shirt or whatever, and then put the, put the power source in your uh, side pocket and, and you're good to go. And that's exactly what I do. I've with a chest cam, I just kind of run the cable up into my shirt, down my back, uh, out, out the shirt on the side and just put the, the power source in my pocket. And you do that at the beginning of the day, just to get it out of the way. Yep. So yep. Not, yeah. yeah. I, I, I've usually got somebody else driving the boat and I'm kind of setting cameras up. So it's not taking away any, any fishing time, mm -hmm. you know, throw the, throw the chest cam on, run the cords down, get everything kind of running. And that's, um, that's the beautiful thing. It's a one-time thing. You do that one time in the day and you're yep. good. It's, it's yep. It, it, once, once you're looping, uh, once you're using that looping function and you've got everything running, you don't have to, you don't have to do anything until you, you catch a fish. And say I'm up in the front of the boat and I catch a fish. All I've got to do is maybe stop my chest cam, the gunnel cam that's pointing that way, and the pole cam that's pointing that way. I don't have to stop any of the other cameras if I don't want to. Okay, that was my question. Was like, you know, how do you stop them all? Do you run around and beep, 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 and, <laughs> you know, stop them yep. all? Or and it, that it, one and number two you know, running an external battery to your head cam or your chest cam is one thing, but do you run a single external battery to each and every one of those seven cameras you have running? Yep. Or much. yeah. So because yep. if you're not running a YOLO tech, you're, you're running it each individually is, is powered, right? Yep. So typically I was talking about the Milwaukee batteries. I mean, the wall, yeah. Makita, all of them have that, that option. I usually run the, the two, uh, tower cameras on, on those batteries. I mean, those, a five amp battery will run a GoPro for like 40 hours or something silly. Um, and then <laughs> the gunnel cams I'll typically run on the little anchor, uh, battery packs, the chest cam I run on the anchor because it's, it's light enough that you can just throw it in your pocket and you hardly know it's there. So. Okay, cool. I mean, that that's starting to make a lot of sense. I, I actually thought I was like, that can't be right. I was like, you got it. These guys have to be tying this all into their boat wiring systems. You just it, it can't. It doesn't make sense to be to have them all individually powered. But I guess 
Yeah. I'm glad you and said that because oh god, Brian. Oh, I was gonna say that's the nice part is I, I never used to like hopping into somebody else's boat because I I knew it was gonna be a pain in the butt to try to figure out how to how to get cameras set up. But there's a couple of products I've been using um that that make it a lot easier to set my cameras up in somebody else's boat and then I don't have to worry about what their power situation is. I've already got all my little power packs and I can set my stuff up. Uh so I've been doing that a lot more. Uh, lately just because i've kind of gotten that that part of it figured out where i can hop in somebody else's boat get my stuff set up similar to what i have and and be able to just go at it you were saying all the batteries and stuff and like i said i'm very mediocre with filming i have two external batteries that i carry Mm -hmm. with me and even with those i struggle to like keep them charged and remember to charge them at the end of the day so do you have like a system I, i assume your life is like a mess of remembering to keep things charged like those big external batteries take a long time, long time to recharge. Oh, yeah. And it's remembering at, at the end of the day, you have so much other shit. You're like, got to take the rods out. Got to do this. Got to do that. Like battery charging external batteries is like the last thing I'm thinking about. So I, I so, can't yeah, imagine. Usually, usually on these trips, like for instance, this Eagle Lake trip, we'll get back. And usually on the drive back, I'm, I'm taking cameras down and I've got a bag that everything goes into so that I can take them up to the cabin and that, you know, that sort of gets in the way of having fun at the end of the night because I'm sitting there dumping footage and I'm, I'm taking the onkers and I've got a, a multi-port USB charger. I've got them all plugged into that. I've got my Milwaukee batteries charging back up. So, yeah, it's it's get, excuse me, get back into the cabin, start charging the batteries is, is the first order of business pull all the SD cards out, you know, and I, I, I usually make a folder that says, you know, Eagle Lake, August 2022. Day one. It, it, yep. In that folder is day one, two, three, four, five. In each one of those folders is bow, stern, gunnel forward, gunnel back, chest cam, cannon, drone, you know, all the different cameras so that, you know, I, I get back at the end of the day, you open up that, that folder, you put the Organized. SD card in, you, you rip the footage and you put it in that folder. Once you're sure that you've got it saved, go back in and format the SD card because that, that, drastically raises the life of an SD card. If you can get the stuff off of there and format it every time you do it. So yeah, you, you get into a little okay, bit of a system. I didn't know that. So they're really, yep. what you're saying, there is no real easy way. It's just finding your own system that works. Cause I found that I just went on vacation with yep. my girlfriend and I felt like a dick at the end of every night. I'm like, okay, I got to sit down now. I have to charge batteries. It had nothing to do with the filming. Nothing to do with filming, buddy. It wasn't yeah. the 15 hours of forced fishing. It was the dumping footage at the end of, yeah. And then you make her fish before you go home. Right. I know. He's like, Come we're going to pack up the car and hit the water and fish until dark. I'm like, dude, there's still a marina closes. You've been fishing and you've been making your girlfriend fish with you for a week and you're going to make her pack the car she and still fish? It. He sucked every ounce out of that one. That was <laughs> My money's worth on that vacation. <laughs> wow. That's cool. Though. Like, I just like, I can't imagine what a process it is. Like I said, so all my filming like opinions I've formed are on like two GoPros and two batteries and a setup like yours where you have like eight cameras, eight batteries, a drone, a professional camera. Like it, it blows my mind. And then yeah, still managing to fish and catch fish on top of all of that. That's. I can tell you one thing though, um, a couple things about filming, and I, I do encourage every every musky fisherman I, get the GoPro in the boat because that is your game film. Like pretend you're you're a football coach and you're watching the little X's and O's, or you know watch watch how the figure eight went. 
maybe the reason that fish bit isn't the, you know, cause, cause in the heat of the moment, you can look at your buddy and go, well, did, did I not turn it hard enough or too, you know, tight or you know, whatever it was, you can get rid of all the guessing and you go back and you go, Oh, doesn't lie. that's where I, that's you where see I screwed where you up. Blew it. <laughs> yep, exactly. Or you can see, Hey, I, I did that right. And, and, you know, maybe that, that will become a new good habit that you have. Or you can see the the bad habits you have and try to break yourself of them. So I, I think filming is is you know I tell people hey you don't need to make a YouTube channel but a it's it's fun to go back and watch this stuff. It's fun to share it with your friends and family. You can learn so much about what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong from it. And even if you don't catch the fish, I've got so many cool jumps that through the hook, you know, and and. It, that used to just be a story at the end of the day. Now you can go, man, look at this son of a gun. Mm -hmm. It jumped and flipped right. five times and threw my Medusa. So you, you, you've got something there, even if you didn't catch that fish, which for me, you know, yeah, it's a bummer that I didn't catch that fish, but now I've got something that I can put in a video. I mean, I've, I've got something there. Um, the other thing it's done is even if I'm not the one catching the fish, you know, I I've always said, you know, muskie is, is, unless you're fishing by yourself, it's 100% a team sport because you've got your buddy in the boat. Who's your net man. And you're, you're relying on him to, to read the fish and you might be screaming, no, no, no. And he sees something where he can get the net in there. So not only is it a, a, a team sport that way, where I was always happy if, if, if just somebody in the boat caught a fish, it's even more important to me now, you know, I don't care if I don't catch a fish on any, any given day, but if somebody does, and I've got something that, that I can go back and edit, I'm happy as a clam. Or if we go out and catch two 36 inches, there's so many people, you know, you see it so many times online where, you know, people are getting blasted for, Oh yeah, it's a small fish. Like, I don't want to be that guy. Like I get excited about a 32 incher because maybe it jumped really cool in front of the camera or just the fact that we caught a muskie while we're trying to film it is, is still cool to me. So it, it, it it sort of exacerbates the times when you lose a big fish because you can go back and watch it over and over and over again. But it also makes the times where you catch, you know, a couple of 30 inches, it, it's that much cooler because now I've got something to edit, something I can share with people, you know? Um, so yeah, sometimes that's, the that's, eats, you know, the, the eats on a 36 incher are cool to watch. You know what I mean? So cool. The fish yeah. might not be impressive, but it might be the, the, the fish acrobatics or, the, you know, whatever exactly. the fish did. It's just, yep. mus it's muskies in general. Like if you, yeah. I, I never, ever want to get to a point where I'm not excited to catch a muskie. Like, I don't care right. if it's 17 inches. I don't care if it's 24 inches. I don't care if it's 32 inches. Like if you, if you get to a point where you're not excited about that, then I think you need to just call it because it's a yeah. muskie every time. You catch a muskie it's never a bad day and it, it and it all depends on where you're catching that muskie too like when my buddy nate and i were up north fishing these little rivers we were just over the moon with these little 32 inches because they were the, they were out there just crushing baits and they were acting like they were the just the king shit of the river and right. and it, that, that was super fun but you know if you're out on green bay yeah you might be expecting something a little bit bigger or you're up on eagle lake but but even then you know it, I, I just think it's cool you know, even if, if I am on the Eagle Lake and I catch a 32 incher, that's a future 50 or that's a future 48. That it just means you've got kind of a healthy population of fish. And I think guys start missing that. They, you know, they get so honed in on that, 
that hunt for big fish, which definitely, I mean, every musky fisherman has that, but I don't want people to lose that, that, you know, kind of that awe, like we were talking about earlier, you know, the, the musky is just a cool fish, regardless of if it's a 35 inch or 35 pounder, you know, right. they're all pretty neat fish. That's why everybody thinks their first muskie is a 49, 50 incher. You ask someone who didn't measure it, how big was it? It was 57 inches, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Freaking... oh, yeah. And then as you start catching more, they go down and down. But you're just so excited that at that beginning, man, if you can just hold on to that. Mm-hmm. I think Ryan does a good job of that. He's held on to the excitement very well. He still screams, even if it's a 15 incher. <laughs> like Dude, a little school, it... like a little school girl. Uh-huh. And, and it'll never change unless, and I said, the day it does, I'm going to go back to bass fishing. Cause it's like, <laughs> what's the point? Yep. Especially when you only get to fish like one day a month. Yeah. <laughs> well, Hey guys, we're, we're, we're getting starting to creep up on the two hour point and i wanted to i wanted to at least hit nate up and ask him about his trip to nipissing because yeah brian brian is getting ready to leave and he's going to go for eight days up to eagle lake nate got let's get the budachesky breakdown here he got to spend six days up on lake nipissing with his dad and and and, uh tell just give us a little little taste of it well yeah i mean my uh the boat tarp flew off on the up in New York, you know, so, <laughs> on the way up. Yeah. So, you know, good we start. Talking, uh, yeah. You know, no mishaps on the travel up. So we piled everything into the truck and, uh, you know, left it running wild back there. But yeah, it was a good, good trip. Um, full moon week. So moon phases were kind of, you know, looking good for us. Um, caught a 38 incher on the fourth cast. Um, you know, everybody's tired you know, let's go like get a lay of the land. This is our first time on that side of the lake, you know, Owen helped me kind of figure that out and set that trip up. So thanks again for that. But, um, yeah, we, we always fished on the Southern, Southern basin or Southern shore. And we're like, we'll go to the West arm this time. So yeah. It's a lot more sheltered, isn't it? Oh yeah. That's a whole different beast. I mean, that might as well have been a different lake. I, I couldn't get over it. Yeah. The amount of uh, shelter and the amount of structure and just overwhelming, you know, spots where everything looked good. I mean, we, we went and talked and, and you kind of gave me a game plan. I was like, Oh, this is, this is nuts. You know, just overwhelming. So yeah, I caught one off the bat. I'm like, this is going to be a great week, you know, and that's, uh, it was a good week, you know, four fish in the boat. Um, got to go out with uh, Reagan Thompson, which, you know, he said, I'm going to advance your knowledge of the lake by 20 years. And you know, he did that. It was great. Yeah, how, great what, what did you think of, what did you think of that experience? Yeah. So that's the first time out with a guide. Um, and so I really didn't know. I mean, I was always kind of like, you know, to my dad, I'm like, we can figure this out. You know, we've gotten really good at, um, you know, what we do in the boat. Um, we're really figuring out how to, to kind of set up, you know, trips and stuff like that. Um, and he was really big, like, Hey, let's get a guide and let's, you know, learn. So this was the time. And, and yeah, it was, it was awesome. I mean, just to kind of watch how he approached reefs and, you know, structure and, and just looking at his fish finder was unbelievable. And just kind of seeing how the fish, you know, cause that's what we always, the stuff we talk about and you guys talk about on here all the time, just, you know, how fish act and the behavior aspect of it and how to approach it. And so to see that on this, this, his finder was just unbelievable. I think he said he had 50,000 waypoints, you yeah. know, the I mean, Lawrence it, people. Had... He inherited. Yeah. Cause he inherited all of his <laughs> right. waypoints from, from Danny Columbia. So <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it, it, and it's kind of like, 
Well, I mean, that's that's sort of what musky fishing is, isn't it? You know, it's kind of like an amalgamation of knowledge that, you know, gets kind of passed down through generations. And now it's it's able to be passed down in electronic form. You know, back when, you know, the, the old school guys, they couldn't pass down a chip with waypoints. You know, right. they, they, they had to tell the stories or they, or give the, 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 you know, the physical maps. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it does make it a lot easier being able to look out on, on that, on that screen and see historical catches where they've caught fifties in the, you know, these yeah. areas. Well, you know, that it, was it changes your confidence me. level. Well, right. And I think of like going up to Canada the first time, like Brian, when you were talking about it, I was like, Oh, this is me as a kid too. You know, my dad went up with, Mr. Munsick in the seventies, um, to Nipissing Lodge. And, you know, they found the ad in, in the in fisherman and, and that what started it for our family. Um, then when I'm like seven and eight, I get to go up the first time and, you know, the spots were like, Oh, this is Pike orchard. You know, nobody calls it Pike orchard except our family. And that's where you catch Pike and then go to the honey hole and then go to, you know, this other bay and, and, well, yeah, the guy E caught a fish there, and there's a big one that's 60 inch named Elmo. All the rumors, yeah, <laughs> right, and, and it's like old, old moss back, right? Yeah, so I mean, you guys know it, and and so like to see it though, a visual representation of all those stories, and it's like okay, like now now I can understand why the honey hole is the honey hole, even though all I've caught is a bass out of the honey hole, I understand it. That that's where it's at. Um, but but it was great. I mean, that was an experience just going out with him and you know, getting to see it and, and learn, you know, some new techniques. Uh, I'm not proud to say I was trolling. We called it <laughs> e-casting. Um, so we did a little e-casting and, you know, raised a really big one that um, we didn't get into the, to the boat. But, you know, that's why you go up, you know, the next time, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. It was a good trip. Good, man. I was, I was thrilled. I was thrilled to hear you, you catch, you know, you, you got a fish right off the bat. Cause that kind of, <laughs> yeah. it takes the pressure off. You know what I mean? That, a, that releases, that releases the pressure cooker. Well, we have a joke. It's like, you don't, if you, unless you catch a fish, you don't get the shit or shave. And so, you know, fir- <laughs> first night, you know, that I was good, you know, I'm good. I don't shave anyways. <laughs> I love the story about the, uh, uh, the different spots, you know, everybody's kind of got their own name for different spots. Cause we have the exact same thing going on Eagle Lake. You know, we've got, you know, over there is, is the triangle of death. And then there's the diamond of despair and bird shit <laughs> Island and mom's <laughs> Island. And, but then you're talking to somebody else and they're like, well, no, we call that alien rocks over there. And, you know, so everybody's kind of, you know, You've, you've got the, the the big islands that are named on a map maybe but all, all these little reefs and these little islands uh, you know you, you, within your group anyway you know we've probably got dozens and dozens of just you know you're out there fishing it's day five and you're on you know hour 12 and you're like we should name that island over there and you just come up with the silliest thing you can you know <laughs> we're we're all for million dollar ideas on here and i just thought of one now you know how you can buy your wife like a star named after her you should buy you her go. an island on the Canadian Shield and then no, a vacation I, no, to the no, no, island. No, 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 fish. no, no. Name my Ooh. favorite musky spot. Like here, I'll yeah. name a musky. Well, you spot don't pick the favorite you. one. You pick like a a spot. <laughs> yeah. Name it, and then it's your excuse to go to that lake every year for your anniversary. I'll just need a small down payment of like ten grand. <laughs> Tom, should you should you plug your uh, your sticker business at some point? On this no, podcast? I don't want any more orders. I don't want. Don't order for me. Order from other Tom's people. I'm man. too busy. 
Well, he can't even get, you know, we had this great he idea can't even that, make that, Owen that all of our all of our guests would get stickers so that they could put their stickers, a musky hunk sticker on their boat. And Tom just shit the bed. Oh, all the someone time. get the addresses. Someone's going to get Brian's address and we'll get him some stickers. Don't give your address. I can't Tom. do everything. Or, yeah, you're going to look outside right on it. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be outside. throwing rocks at his window. Hey, Brian. <laughs> One of those oh. red flags again. There it is. Number two. Tom's going to be crawling the giant boombox. Crawling, yeah, crawling under, <laughs> right. crawling under the boat tarp. Playing the angling anarchy like, theme song. It's going to show up with a lunch pail and a box of baits, and he's ready to go with you on your trip tomorrow. Shirtless. <laughs> Shirtless. Yeah. That's a that's another point. I got to point this out too because Nate asked me before. He's like, "Do you guys do video too?" And I'm like, "Oh, we do it all." He's like, oh, I got to get ready. You got to prep. And I was like, I, I, I expected just full on shirtless podcasting for tonight. <laughs> I was ready. I had my Iron City beer suspenders ready. Just just red suspenders. But we didn't get there. Here we go, Steelers. Here we go. Oh, God. Well, you know, I, I do get uh, people do say I look like Burt Kreischer a lot. So I probably yeah. do look. Yes, I can see that. Shirt on. Oh, I can oh. see that. The machine. For sure, the machine. Yeah. machine. <laughs> well, this has been a blast. And Brian, I, I really hope you'll, uh, you will listen to some Musky Hunks podcast episodes on your drive up there. Uh, and, dude, we, we hope you have an amazing week and just absolutely kill them. Not, not literally, figuratively. Don't fry them. Don't fry them. No musky don't. soup. No musky soup here. Don't beer batter them. You now those 54 inches taste pretty good. So. <laughs> oh, delicious. It's like, wow, no, man, I do. We will be, we will be thinking about you this week. I know I will be while I'm, while I'm working, I'll be like, man, Brian's up there on Eagle Lake living it up, man. Charging batteries. Well, thanks guys for the opportunity to come, come on here and talk to you. I, I, I've listened to a couple like the, the uh, Glenn's uh, uh, the podcast he did with you and a couple of the other ones. And I, I love the format. Uh, I, it's kind of how I feel like my channel is just regular guys talking about fishing. I feel like that's what you guys have captured doing this here. Uh, and, and it's just, it's a blast. It was so much fun talking to you guys. It was awesome. awesome, man. awesome. This I'm, was so I'm much fun. I'm excited to hear that we have a format. I didn't even know that. I didn't know thing. that either. I was <laughs> about to be like crap. format. Three, four. This is great. <laughs> that? Four. This is totally. Awesome. Yeah. And, and thank you to Nate for stepping up at the last minute. Mm -hmm. Nate pinch yeah. hitting and being the pinch hitting hunk. There we greatly is. appreciate that. And uh, Nate, good luck on your 2022-2023 Pittsburgh Public Schools school year. Yeah, starts on Monday. Back Ooh. at it. Oh, doing God the bless Lord's you. work. Doing yep. the Lord's work. May the odds the be ever in your favor. To, uh, Canadian Shield right to the classroom. You know, can't get better than that. No, nope. pretty cool teacher. Thanks. My teachers weren't that cool. Come visit me. Right. See me yell at people. No. <laughs> All, right, All right, boys. boys. Everyone have a good good night. Brian, you drive safely and have yep. an amazing week up there. Thanks, Thanks. fellas. Thanks, I appreciate Brian. it. Thanks for All coming. All right, guys. On. Thanks, Brian. See you guys. See ya. I had to shake them on my last case. Big O don't play. O don't